Pastor Xavier Reese says you're not just called, but you're equipped to serve. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He calls you, He enables you, He empowers you. We're busted. The person of Ezekiel had been prepared for the task, and so have you. You have been prepared, and you're being prepared. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Now, Pastor Xavier, we're excited here to be starting a brand new series, and this time from the book of Ezekiel. As a matter of fact, you just completed preaching this to your own congregation, and I know you've been real anxious to get this on the air. Uh, why is that? Well, Ezekiel's a very colorful prophet and was trained as a priest, and yet at the time he was going into captivity and God changed his profession. He became a prophet to the nation, much like Jeremiah, except he went into the second captivity and he was there present when the last captivity came. You have 506, 596, and 586, three captivities. And he was called to be a prophet to the nation, to call Israel into judgment. They would be in captivity for 70 years. He was to call the nations of the world, the Gentile nations, to judgment. And then he was called to declare restoration to Israel. And the whole book covers judgment of Israel, judgment of the nations, and the restoration of Israel. Israel is fulfilled prophecy today. Ezekiel chapter 32 on, you have the restoration of the nation. You have the vision of dry bones in 37. You have 38, 39. The um, Russian attack with their five nation confederacy that will take place. We'll cover all that. And it's apocalyptic in terms, like Revelation, things that God is declaring in the latter days. And so Ezekiel goes from the present day of his captivity to the last days at the second coming of the Lord. And even beyond that, to speak about the millennial kingdom. He's an incredible prophet. And I pray that God would bless you as you listen and that you would open your heart because God could call you to also make a turn in your life, a redirection that perhaps you have your heart set on, but he has something else for you and that that is always the best. And so if the Lord ministers to you and as he ministers to you, we ask you to email us, to drop us a note, get on our website. We need to hear from you. God bless you. Yes, hearing the feedback from our listeners really is the best way for us to know how we've been a ministry to those listening. So why not jot us a quick email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Or write us at Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. I'll be repeating those at the end of the broadcast, so we hope you'll stay tuned as we get today's study underway titled, Ezekiel the Colorful Prophet. Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel is a reminder that no one gets away with their sin. As the scripture says, your sin will find you out. Ezekiel is a very colorful prophet who shared the captivity with his people, and he was sent by God to deliver many messages to the house of Israel. Now, through vivid demonstrative charades, if you will, type preaching, Ezekiel was to provoke the captive's attention to communicate clearly the prophetic message of God regarding their sin and captivity 
It was due to the judgment of God. You see, they had some weird theology. They were deceiving themselves. The people of Israel were reaping to their sinful lives. They had freely sown, making them subject to some very absolute principles. Whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, these apply to everybody. I'm going to give you just a few things. Listen to them very carefully. First, though the sowing may be in secret, reaping cannot be averted, beginning with a guilty conscience. Secondly, there is always a time of waiting before sowing and reaping. The deception is, nothing's happened. Be patient. It'll come. Third, the reaping will be in kind. Sexual, dishonest, lying, whatever it is. And fourth, the reaping or harvest is always greater than the sowing. We get a bumper crop. Ezekiel has been said to be God's living word made flesh to the captives of Babylon. One who walked in their shoes, felt their pain, exposed their sin, yet walked with God. A true shepherd. He was with the people. So what I want to do this morning is look to the prophet Ezekiel from three, a threefold lens, if you will. First, we want to look at the person of Ezekiel. Secondly, the personal call of Ezekiel. And we'll finish off with the particular ministry of Ezekiel. This will give us a good panoramic look of him. Let's begin here with the person Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel was a priest. Uh, Ezekiel means God's strength. The name is significant of the difficult task which he was called to. Seventy years of captivity. Both he and Jeremiah were of the priestly line. But this was not always the case. Prophets were usually called outside of the priesthood because the priesthood became corrupt, but these two were of the priestly line. Now, Jeremiah was in Jerusalem coming to the end of his ministry while Ezekiel here is about to begin his ministry. So it's almost like back to back and kind of like a, a, a relay. You pass the baton. He was called by God in the fifth year of Jehoiakim after his captivity. That means 592 B.C. So we can date the prophecy of Ezekiel as we're going to see. He dates them. It's the most orderly book. It's just the dates, you can't miss them. He was among the captives there at the river Chebar. We'll look a little into that in verse 1. And um, in chapter 2, verse 5, it says that he was called to be a prophet to the nation. Now, remember, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to the nation also. But he was in Jerusalem. Ezekiel is in Babylon. Now, he is one of the five post-exilic prophets. The others, Daniel, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. In other words, after the captivity. Uh, the other 12 are pre-exilic. He is one of the four major prophets. You have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and of course, Ezekiel. And there are 12 minor prophets. Now, at the time of his birth, there was a great reformation of Josiah, as you know, in 2 Kings 22. And it was in full swing after the discovery of the book of the law in the temple. And it was a great reform. At the same time, Egypt under Somaticus, who reigned from 663 to 609 B.C., came to the support of Assyria uh, at Haran, but the city was taken in 610 B.C. The following year, in 609 B.C., Necho, Pharaoh, succeeded Somaticus, went to relieve the hard-pressed Assyrians at Megiddo, and Josiah intervened, stuck his nose where it wasn't 
supposed to be, and he got killed in the Battle of Megiddo there in 608 B.C. The help arrived too late uh, to help Assyria. Now, Babylon is the rising empire. You got Assyria, then Egypt, but Babylon now is up there. In 605, Nebuchadnezzar crushed Egypt at the Battle of Carchemish on the Euphrates. And so Babylon took the first siege of Jerusalem in 606. You'll always find days 605, 606, okay? I just remember them by the six. 606 is the first, uh, 596 is the second, and 586. Ten years apart, boom, boom, boom. Three sieges, 20 years. Daniel, Ezekiel were taken in the second, 597. Ezekiel confirmed that he had been in captivity for 11 years when the final siege took place, when we get to chapter 40, verse 1. Ezekiel began his ministry, prophetic ministry, in the fifth year, verse 1 and 2 tells us here of the opening chapter. After his being taken captive, and therefore the recording there of the 30th year that you read has to be his age. He was 30 years old when he began his ministry. Taken captive at 25, at 30, God calls him. How interesting. There are some similarities between um, the two prophets. Jeremiah was sent to a people who would not hear the message of repentance. And Ezekiel was sent to a people who had been rebellious as a nation against God. It is very clear through both men in the writings. The two were called to confront the sinful people and the false prophets. One in Jerusalem, the other one in Babylon. Jonathan Edwards, a godly man of the past, had some very instructive resolutions for his life. I want to give them to you. He said this, Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Resolved never to lose one moment of time to improve it in the most profitable way I can. Resolved never to do anything which I should despise or think meanly of another. Resolved never to do anything out of revenge. Resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Great resolves. Each of us have been um, prepared by God or are being prepared for the work that God has for you. He desires to do through you to others. It's always through you to others. Beginning with your spiritual birth, depending on Christ, without works or anything you are, by grace through faith, as not of yourself, the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Then moving on to walk with God in Christ, totally dependent on Him for your growth, your development, through the Word, through prayer, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1, 9, and 11, we've been studying. There's a good scripture for you. Constantly depending and drawing from Him on all those areas. Being involved in the work of God through your church, whatever it is that God sends you, you belong to a church somewhere. If you're in an island, deserted, shipwrecked, have church by yourself in your hut. Otherwise, find a church and grow and be involved. Approving yourselves by your service, your trials, and the testings of life. As Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says that the church's purpose is to perfect the saints for the work of ministry. That you be not children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Doing your share to full potential maturity of Christ. That the body is edified in love. This hand, I've known it for 55 years. It has never served itself. It has served all my body. And has never complained. My feet have never said, listen, Jack, 
We've been at this a long time. We carry the most of the brunt and the weight. We've been concealed in darkness, and the environment doesn't smell that good. We need to be moved up. They do their job, they suck it up, and they function. What has God called you to do? Each generation lives in a particular time and must confront and deal with the issues of God's people as well as the lost. Every generation has the challenge of making the gospel relevant, revealing the need of people's salvation to escape the wrath of God through the forgiveness of sins. We must be relevant. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 1 Chronicles 13.32 says, The sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. There's, there's a key for us, guys. We, it's our turn. Forget the guys of the past. Forget the guys of the future. It's our turn. We're up at bat. What are we going to do with the gospel? Are we going to be relevant to the day that we live in? Of political correctness? That there's no right or wrong like Isaiah's book? Good is bad, bad is good? All relative. How are we going to make that gospel relative and relevant to the, to the community? I have to pray. I have to study. Every saint must warn and exhort others to stay clear of sin. For it will destroy fellowship with God and with man. The believer must keep his account short both with God and man in that order. 1 John 2, 1. We have an advocate for the defense, Jesus Christ the righteous. We're not perfect, but we stay on track. We keep our accounts short. The believer must guard his flesh so as to not destroy his character and reputation before the church and the world. Romans 6, 6 and 6, 11. You have been crucified, but you're to crucify that old man dead daily, every day. Take his head off. The believer must be very careful lest he compromise with sin and he starts to think since God has not done anything, then he must be indifferent or worse yet, that he approves of your lifestyle. Oh, oh listen, don't deceive yourself. The worst type of deception is self-deception. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you reap life eternal. Absolute principle. Listen to Ezekiel 14, 3 through 4, what he says here. Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Listen to God. Should I let myself be inquired of, at all of all by men? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus saith the Lord Yahweh Elohim, Every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idol in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into captivity or iniquity, and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord Yahweh, will answer him who comes, listen, according to the multitude of his idols. Whoa. When a person keeps living in self-deception, still coming to church, everything else, and they're living in sin as a lifestyle, God will start answering you according to your idol, your sin. He gives you over to your sin. That's pretty heavy. Hard-hearted, hard-headed, self-deceived. All of us have been influenced by godly men and women, pastors and lay people in the work of the kingdom. 
we cannot excuse ourselves from doing our part in the kingdom through the church. We have a responsibility. Each person alone can know what it is that God has them to do by gathering in the church, by studying, by praying, and asking God's wisdom, his direction to guide you. Many people come to the church and say, well, what do you want me to do? I don't want you to do anything. We don't ask you to do anything here. We encourage you to come to church, get grounded, be growing, and seek the Lord and see what he would have you to do, and then do it. That's your responsibility. You can't tell me what my calling is. You can't tell me what God has called me to do. Only I can know that. And since not the other confusion, he works it all out and he puts it together. There's no great organizers here. <laughs> God does the work. I must understand that it has nothing to do with a big ministry, but everything to do with my big responsibility towards God. Because when I stand before God, he's going to say, X, what did you do with the calling I gave you? What did you do with the gifts I gave you? What did you do with your life? Listen to 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, the multicolored grace of God. He calls you, he enables you, he empowers you. We're busted. The person of Ezekiel had been prepared for the task. And so have you. You have been prepared and you're being prepared. Now, let's look at the personal call of Ezekiel. He was in the land of Babylon, the Chaldeans, by the river Chebar, it tells us in verse 1, 3, and also in other chapters, 3.15, with the captives at Tel Abib. Now, Tel Abib means hill of corns or mound of young barley loaves. Perhaps referring to the fertility of that area. Tel, Abib, tel means a mound. So you go to Israel, we go visit many tells, archaeological tells. They're mounds of dirt, Underneath, they're buried many sites. So you have Tel Abib, Tel of this, Tel of that. Mounds, that's what it is. That's what it means. And you find them in Ezra and Nehemiah. Now, Daniel, without doubt, a ruler appointed by Nebuchadnezzar as the ruler of the province of Babylon, he had much to do with this. So here you have God's wisdom. He's appointed by Nebuchadnezzar. He puts Daniel in the palace, put Ezekiel with the people. He's got Jeremiah in Jerusalem. And God puts Daniel in a position of authority. And I'm sure he had much to do with the captivity. Daniel 2.48 tells us very clearly he ruled over Babylon through the authority of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, the captives that in these various settlements organized with certain freedom for religion and worship, as we can see as we go through the book. Ezekiel was one of the notable figures, and God calls him as a prophet in the captivity. But in chapter 1, chapter 14, and chapter 20 and verse 1, the elders are mentioned often. They had freedom to come to Ezekiel. Now, the call of Ezekiel, if you've read his book, is through visions. But let me just point out some things. Here in chapter 1, verse 1, uh, he saw the heavens open. He saw a vision of God as one of the captives in the river Chebar. And it's through a vision. A vision is when you are awake and you see something. A dream is while you're sleeping. He describes the influence and effect of God upon his person and life by many different phrases. If you've read it, you've caught them. Let me point some of them out to you. Ezekiel here, chapter 1, verse 3. The hand of the Lord was upon him there. The hand of the Lord influencing him. In chapter 3, verse 14. 
It says, so the spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness, in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord Yahweh was strong upon me. In chapter 3, verse 22, then the hand of the Lord Yahweh was upon me there, and he said to me, arise, go out into the plain, and there I shall talk with you. In chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord Yahweh Elohim fell upon me there. 33, all the way over to 33, 22. He says, Now the hand of the Lord Yahweh had been upon me, um, upon me the evening before the man came who had escaped. And he had opened my mouth, so when he came to me in the morning, my mouth was open, and I was no longer mute. 37.1, the hand of the Lord Yahweh came upon me and brought me out of the spirit of the Lord, in the spirit of the Lord Yahweh, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones, as he prophesied the rebirth of the nation Israel. We'll get to that. One last one. Chapter 40, verse 1, as he begins to declare the temple is going to be built in the millennial. It's not for here. That's the millennial. In the 25th year of our captivity, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year after the city was captured, on the very same day, the hand of the Lord Yahweh was upon me, and he took me there. Now, do you think this man is being directed by God? Do you think he wants you to know that it's not his writing, that he's not just giving you his opinion? The call of Ezekiel was characterized by constantly falling on his face. God always, get up, get up. Always falling on his face. But that's good. You know why? He revered God. That's what's lacking in the church today. Again, chapter 1, verse 28 and 323, he first fell on his face due to the glory of the Lord that he saw. In chapter 11, 13, he fell on his face when the wicked man, Benaiah, died by God's judgment. And he asked, will you make a complete end of the remnant of Israel? 43.3, he fell on his face as he was shown the glory of God returning to the new temple. That's the millennial. And in 44.4, he fell on his face when he saw the glory of God fill the house of the Lord. The focus was the glory of God. It is both bitter and sweet, he says. The bitter experience was in seeing the departure of God's glory from the temple out to the Mount of Olives in chapter 10 and 11. 24 times the word glory appears. The bitter experience was, or the sweet experience, the bitter was in leaving. The sweet experience was in seeing it return during the millennial kingdom in chapter 43 as it comes back. Incredible. This man was just so bound by God. Falling on his face in the fear of God. And I see a big discrepancy with too many pastors today. About 15 years ago, I was watching TV, televangelist. He's given this testimony there that he was shaving one morning, and Jesus appeared to him. And he just kept shaving, talking to Jesus. And I'm looking there, and I'm going, you're lucky God's on barbecue. Every person I read in the Bible that saw God, they were on their face. They were full of fear. The Jesus you saw was not Jesus. Either that or you're a liar. One of the two, which is it? We must also examine always what people say to the scriptures. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating the seriousness of the glory of God's Word. Now, today's message, Ezekiel the Colorful Prophet, is available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier will be sharing the next time we are together. So once again, the title to ask for is Ezekiel the Colorful Prophet, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And use that address too when sending along your comments to Pastor Xavier regarding our broadcast ministry. Or jot an email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Many churches today focus on a what's-in-it-for-me message. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese explains the importance of the whole counsel of the Word of God. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 